0: Verse 26 to 39 from the NIV. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, "'What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? "'I beg you, don't torture me.' "'For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit "'to come out of the man. "'Many times it had seized him, "'and though he was chained hand and foot "'and kept under guard, he had broken his chains "'and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. "'Jesus asked him, What is your name?' "'Legion,' he replied, "'because many demons had gone into him.' and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, They ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him.
1: Amen. Thank you for Joyce. Can you hear me okay? It's coming through. Splendid. Good morning, everybody. My name is Matt, and uh, it is always a joy and a privilege to see your faces and to stand and to talk to you about Jesus. Uh, What a beautiful Sunday. Uh, On our drive in, the sun was shining, and there's a kind of sense in the air, isn't there? Kind of like maybe springs around the corner, you know, the darkness of winter passing, light coming. I like those kind of themes. Um, It is a real joy to start our new preaching series. We're going to spend five weeks just looking at Jesus and how he interacted with people. Uh, We're going to see how he loved people and tenderly but powerfully brought his kingdom into their lives. Um, I love just looking at Jesus. Now, when I say we're going to do a sermon series on Jesus' love, I don't mean a kind of like nice Clinton card kind of sentimental love. I mean a fierce and firm love. Because when we look at Jesus, when we see him as he's presented to us in the historical accounts of the Gospels, we are looking at the blazing fire of God's love for his creatures. A love that confronts all that holds us back from being what we were made to be. A love that comes to liberate captives, to bring in those who are isolated and hurting. A love that binds up, a love that heals, a love that fights. It's a mighty, powerful, blazing fire is God's love. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. And over the next few weeks, as we see that Jesus encountered people who were... In many ways, like us. Getting by, facing difficulties in life, doubts, worries, experiencing hurt, pain, suffering, darkness. Ah. Jesus comes into very human situations, into our dramas, and he brings light where there was darkness. Now, we listened to the story a second ago, and you might think, I just said a second ago, Jesus encounters people like us. You might think, this chap in uh, Luke chapter 8 is not like me. This is quite an extreme situation, isn't it? Uh, one of the most dramatic stories. But we wanted to start our preaching series here because I love this story. Because in all the kind of drama, we see just a big picture of what Jesus comes to do for all of us. What Jesus comes to do for all of us, for you, for me, for me for our friends, for our family, for our neighbours, for those in our communities. So let's look, let's see what he's like, what he comes to do. So we we read that Jesus uh, comes across the Lake of Galilee uh, and he lands in an area uh, and straight away, he's in in a bit of a wild scene, there's tombs nearby and he encounters this man who is very, very troubled. And uh, look at the description of this gentleman. He is isolated. He's living in a solitary place. Uh, he's been driven, forced there. So he's cut off from other people. He's lonely. He's naked. Uh, he's not got clothing on, which uh, throughout the Bible is often a picture of shame. He's, he, he's shamed. People don't want to go near him. People look at him and go, oh, no. He's uh, living in tombs. He's got no shelter. There's no safe place, no refuge for him to go to. Um, I imagine most of us, although I can't... Well, no, hang on. I'm going to rein that back in. If you you ever spend time with somebody who is homeless, uh, there's just a constant fear and worry and anxiety there. There's no safe place that they can go to. Most of us, you know, can shut the door at night and get into our sofa, maybe put the telly on, read a good book, snuggle down. But this man has none of that. He's isolated, he's lonely, he's living amongst tombs, surrounding himself by death and decay and, and morbid hopelessness. He's he, that's where he's gone to spend time. In a graveyard. I once worked with a man um, in Folkestone on the south coast who was living in a graveyard. um, And he was very, very troubled. Mark's gospel gives us a parallel account of what we see here in Luke. And and in Mark's gospel, it says he's, he's hurting himself. He's cutting himself with stones and flints. It's a really tragic, sad picture. And he's tormented deeply tormented. And then when he encounters Jesus, that that torment initially at first seems to kind of enlarge. This morning, uh, it was my wife's turn to get up early. We alternate uh, because my son Rowan likes to play Thunderbirds at six o'clock in the morning. Um, And uh, uh, so Laura got out of bed and and, uh, did that, Uh, went on an adventure to Tracy Island, and um, then came to wake me up. And uh, as she did, she kind of The door came open the light went on and the blind went up very quickly Um, and you you, you, yeah I'm sure you've all had that experience and the light goes on when you've been in darkness you're like "Oh, I can't see at first if if you're kind of accustomed to darkness when you encounter light it it almost hurts doesn't it so Jesus comes the light of the world and this man is tormented in Jesus's presence he gets angry I became a Christian when I was 20. I was at university and I was invited onto an alpha course, which is a, a, an opportunity to kind of hear about Christianity and ask questions. Uh, and it's a 10 week course. And over the, cor- uh, over the course, I became angrier and angrier as I was confronted with the love of God in Jesus. It's just often how people respond. And we see that in this man. And the passage tells us that he has been tormented by demons. Um, now, I think in, in the modern age with kind of Hollywood and films, we, we come across these passages in Scripture and, and we, all sorts of thoughts come to our mind. This isn't Ghostbusters, uh, is the thing to say. Um, let's just think very quickly about what the Bible means when it talks about demons. See, the Bible doesn't just look at the outside appearances of things. It looks to the, to the inside, to the, the spiritual powers and principalities that work in the world to influence and shape the way things are and in this regard the bible's in line with the majority of human cultures around the world today and throughout history which view the world not just as kind of physical stuff we can touch and and study but actually has been shaped and influenced by deeper forces and that's the picture we see in the bible but the world is is Uh, There's not just material causes, but there are spiritual influences in the world. Now, the good news is that uh, many of these are good, and they are all under the authority of the one good creator God, the Father of all things, who is good and loving and just. Uh, But the Bible describes that in God's creation in the cosmos, he has an administrative team, the angelic powers, and some of those rebelled. Now, there's so much more we could talk about this, but I have to leave it there because it's a, meant to be a short sermon today. Um, so if you, but that's the question, we can talk about that another time. So the Bible uh, describes these, these beings that shape the world, and some of them are evil and corrupt. Have you ever had that moment, maybe you, you've seen it, it's been your experience, or you've seen it in other people, where things just seem so... Uh, broken and senseless that you look at the world and you say if there's a higher power he must be inept or evil you ever heard people say that if there's a god he must be evil because the world's so so broken well the bible would respond and say yes uh, there's a evil influence in the world that's what, what the demonic is senseless, corrupting, active powers of darkness that afflict, confuse, and destroy. And this man has been subject to a legion of them. So the word legion uh, comes from the Roman military, and it means a thousand. So Luke, the Gospel writer, is telling us that this, this man doesn't just have one demon afflicting him, two or three, but a thousand, an army of them, And here comes Jesus, up against an army of darkness. And what do we see? These powers and principalities of evil and corruption, decay and violence, an army of them, one man comes before them, Jesus, and they tremble, they cower, they beg for him to leave them alone. Jesus goes up against an army and they say, "Leave us alone." They say, "What have you to do with us?" Which is essentially they're saying, saying, "Leave us alone. Don't pay any attention to us." Darkness trembles when the light comes, and here comes Jesus, And they cry out and they say, "What do you have to do with us? Jesus, Son of the Most High God." Now, that term, most high God, uh, runs throughout Scripture. It's one of the terms that is referred to use to God to, to say that the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, isn't just one God among the nations, isn't just Thor or Venus, but is the most high God, is the only one who truly deserves the title God. And you find it again and again in the Bible, but interestingly, you find it in Psalm 91 which was a very important Old uh, Testament psalm and song that God's people would have known. Um, And it doesn't quite work out in our English translations what's going on there, but it starts off, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then, then the psalm goes on to describe things that God will deliver the one who trusts in him from. And we translate them very literally in English. The foulest snare, pestilence. Later it talks about night terrors. Um, But actually, in ancient Hebrew, the original language, these words were the name of spiritual beings that were known amongst the nations around Israel. So this psalm, praising God the Most High... Says that he is the one who keeps us safe from the powers of darkness and evil in the world. And when the demons see Jesus, this man, coming towards them, they see that this is not just a man. They say, This is the Son of the Most High. This is the God of Psalm 91, come to stand amongst us. The demons recognize that Jesus has authority. He is God's Messiah, sent. And they plead with him. Don't send us into the abyss. You then have that very odd little bit of the story where Jesus casts the demons out into the pigs. Who's, who's read that before and spat their coffee across the table? And am like, what on earth is going on there? I was in Norfolk for the last few days. Pigs everywhere. Uh, I was thinking about this. Um, well time Jesus was on the earth when he was in uh, Israel uh, they were under occupation by a foreign nation by the Romans and um, the Jewish people would refer to them as pigs because the pigs are unclean animals according to Jewish law and so these Romans these, these pagans who have come and oppressed them are the pigs And do you see there's a bit of a Roman vibe going on here? Because you've also got the the demons are called legion, which was a a, a unit within the Roman army. Just bear with me for a second, because good news is coming. And so what happens is you... uh, So the expectation was that God's Messiah would come and wage war against the horrible Romans against the political party, them, over there, that were oppressing us, against the system of injustice and the people who were stepping on on the oppressed. The Messiah would come and would fix the political scene and sort all of these things out violently, cast them out. But what we see here is actually the true enemy isn't the legion of Roman men in uniform, but it's the deeper powers of darkness. And the true pigs that need to be cast out aren't people, aren't politicians, aren't corrupt systems, but the deeper powers of darkness that keep us enchained and bound up. And so Jesus comes. His war is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of darkness that oppress and Jesus casts them out. This man, afflicted, tormented, left almost for good for dead. It says that people have tried to help him and they didn't know what to do, so they bound him up in chains and he kept breaking the chains. The world has failed this man. He's oppressed, he's afflicted, deeply troubled. Jesus comes, Not to lock him up, not to chastise him, but to bring healing. And what healing we see. Think about the contrast of how he is at the very end. He started off isolated, naked, with no shelter, surrounded by death, harming himself. And what do we see? He's free at the end. It says that he was in his right mind. Who knows how many years this man was afflicted out of his mind, and yet Jesus brings peace to him. This is who Jesus is. Are you here with a troubled mind today? Jesus is here to bring you peace. This man was ashamed. He was naked. He was living in fear, no shelter. And we see him sheltering under Jesus. At Jesus' feet, clothed. Shame is that feeling people won't want to be near me because of what's happened in my life. Jesus says, Come and sit at my feet. Come be near me. I want you. No matter how broken you are, this is who our Jesus is. Jesus brings him close and gives him dignity. He wants to do that for each one of us and for the people around us. Do you know God's heart is to bring dignity to those around us who have none? Jesus' heart burns for that still today. And then at the very end, you've got this this bit, which seems a bit mean at first. The man says, Jesus, let me come with you. I mean, he's had a rough time. You can understand why he wants to go with Jesus. But what does Jesus do? Rather than saying, yep, you can come and spend time with me, Jesus gives him something even better. He gives him purpose and restores him to his community. He says, go back to the town and share This man has been cast out from this town, afflicted and hurt. Jesus sends him back as a leader to go and bring life and light into that situation. What a transformation. This is who Jesus is and what he does for us. He is the son of the most high. There's no higher name than the name of Jesus. He has authority over every power of darkness. He has a power to heal and he transforms lives in the ways that we've seen do you know him are there things in your life that you want him to do for you today if so he's here because he promises to be with his church ask him but also when you go out from here today to your community to your neighborhood to the workplace, your school, wherever you are. Know that Jesus is seeking after people like this man, like you and me, wherever we go. His heart has not changed. His character has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. We're going to hear a story now of how... These wonderful encounters between Jesus and people aren't just a thing of the past, aren't just a thing of the New Testament, but happen here today. And so Angela's going to come up and share. Give her a big round of applause. As she can... So in
2: 2019, I was invited to speak at a conference in somewhere in Eastern Europe. And it was an RM team, and we invited a few people. a few people from city went with me um, on team to this place. And this place um, has a, lo- a Roma community in it, but it's separated because the people of this nation do not like the Romas. Um, so a big separation. But the the couple who lead the church there have jumped over all the laws of separation and have made contact with the people in this Roma community. It is wonderful to see the tight, how God just breaks things as we jump over what is not biblical to make um, friends across communities. And um, anyway, we did the conference thing, but then took a bus to this place where the Romers lived, about half an hour, three-quarters of an hour away. And what happens is, a whole oh, 30 of us, I think, about, there was a lot of us, and we, we sing, the band comes and it's a Roma band, and we're in the street, and it's not streets like here. It is quite deprived, so you don't really want to take your car down there because it's all ditches and so on. And we are in the street singing to God, and people rush out of their homes to come and be prayed for. And um, it's, oh, I died and went to heaven. (laughs) It was so wonderful because that's what I'm quite used to because I've worked in the townships of Cape Town, so that is normal for me. And we were singing and praying for people. I saw our city people praying for people and wonderful stuff. But then I felt a tap on my arm, and one of the Roma elders said to me, There's a a household just down this alley that needs prayer. So I took... Catherine was nearby and Phil Balding. And off we went. Into this home to pray for what they needed. Came out and at the bottom of the stairs was a woman waiting. And um, the elder whispered to me, She's the local prostitute. So you see... She saw us coming down the alley. God is so kind, hey? She wouldn't have come into the crowd because of the shame. But God brought us down this passage so that she she saw us and thought, I want, I want something. I want what they've got or whatever. And her eye was huge. It was infected, huge. And so through interpretation, she asked if we would pray and you know it's like this she asked the elder interprets and so on and okay we'll pray so I started praying and then the voice said to me kiss her eye now for me that's normal by the way And you've got to hear this this is this is normal this is what matt was talking about this is this is normal it's in the bible we owe it to people to be alive to god and do whatever he says and uh, and so it was wonderful for me to hear that voice kiss our eyes so i asked permission yes you know when people are in trouble they don't care about is it oh can somebody come and kiss my eye they just need help and so I kissed her eye. And as I kissed it, um, and it's not, oh, it's all gunji You forget that. Jesus touched the lepers. Why can't I? Do you see? And so as I kissed it, I could feel it moving. Something was happening. And faith rose. I knew she's going to be healed. But you see, I couldn't just leave it at, well, she's going to be healed. She wasn't saved. She didn't know Jesus, the one who was healing her. And so I asked through interpretation, ask if I can tell her about Jesus. And she said, yes. So I gave her the gospel and led her to the Lord. Because when somebody feels God like that, oh, they must be, let's get to know, we must know him. He is so wonderful. We keep him to ourselves, but he is so wonderful. Anyway, I then thought, whoa, being the local prostitute, the demons would have got hold of her, and they had bound her. God was releasing her. Now, when I'm gone, they might come back in plaguing her mind because Did that really happen? Because they would whisper, did that really happen? And I'm kind of talking to God, what do I do? And in my, the voice said, give her your necklace. Now you must know, I looked for about six months for that necklace. (laughs) It wasn't expensive, but it was exactly what I wanted. Oh, and I loved that necklace. And my first thought was, no, not my necklace. But you know, when God speaks, you do. And so I took the necklace off and put it around her neck and said, we are sisters. And I said, uh, now there's nothing in the necklace. There's not a charm. It's not, this is just for you to remember what happened today. Anyway, off we went back into this crowd. And then in the, we got on the bus to go to the church, because in the evening we were um, going to be worshipping with the Romers and some of the uh, the community from, I don't want to say where, because it would be dishonouring to this woman, you know. Um, anyway, we got to the, the building, which was packed to capacity, it was quite hot. Packed, packed, packed. I can't even explain how packed. Not so, Simeon. Packed, packed, packed. And uh, the music. Oh, it's the, the squash box and all that. And it's Roma music. Oh. Again, I died and went to heaven. has got a beat. But like Phil led us in this morning, I love beat, you know. And so while we're worshiping, somebody starts to conga. You know conga? You know? And you take people on the waist and you shuffle in joy to the Lord round the church. When I go to these nations in East uh, Europe, we do that. We don't do it in England. <laughs> so I hadn't done it for a while, and off I went. You can hardly conquer. You're like, we all, you know, you take somebody on the waist, and the music's playing, and we jump around, and you can hardly breathe. But the joy that comes in worshiping God like that, I can't explain. So we're going around and I get to the back of the uh, the church and as I'm going my eyes fall on a woman there who is totally beautiful and I saw my necklace. Yes. Do you know I wouldn't have recognized her if it wasn't for my necklace clever God, you know she recognized me, she knew me but I wouldn't have known and I would have gone on and she might have thought, I was ashamed to be, to recognize her because everybody knew who she'd been but that necklace my necklace I saw it, I went to her and I pulled her out and I put her in the conga and I put my hand on her waist and off we went, you know and the the point is, we've got to listen to God, you know, when he says, he's talking all the time, but it's difficult things, but people get saved and released, and her eye was totally healed. That's why I just didn't recognize her. She changed so much. And the kindness of God, imagine if I thought, it's my necklace, I'm not giving it away. Look, six months. no. I wouldn't have recognized her, and who knows what would have happened as I conquered past her. But the kindness of God let me take her and conger with her to set something of hope in her. And Father, I want to. Pray, I want, I just want to pray for all of us for open ears, Lord and that all the f- the educations and how we've sort things out and how we hear and what does it mean? And, no, but that's in the Bible. It can't be for today, and it's certainly not in the West. And if I do that in England, will I get fined? And all those things. Please, Father, I want to ask for city, Lord, and for any visitors here from your church. Uh, Father, will you break in? And let us do whatever you say. Let us stop to listen to you and be brave because people, you know what, they deserve to be saved. Jesus died for them. So I want to ask, Lord, for for such a gift of healing among all of us done in different ways so that the demons won't plague anybody. We are those who point a finger... Daniel was prophesied over this weekend at the – I'm just telling you so that you can say to Daniel, where's the finger? There we are. But Daniel was prophesied over um, this weekend by Mike Frisbee that he is a giant slayer and that he's going to point and the demons are going to leave. This is big stuff that is happening for city. That's us. That's what we're inheriting at this time. And so that's all I've got to say.